you got your workout today. And hopefully you had on good deodorant. Better myself. All right. Moving along to God's word. That would be helpful. So turn with me to Luke 17, Luke chapter 17. I just want to look at a few verses this morning in Jesus' ministry. And as we've been starting in November, being thankful, saying thank you. We start first, in fact, I believe it was last year we looked at what Jesus did first when it came to communion was he gave thanks. First thing he did, gave thanks. So thanksgiving or being thankful should be where we start. It's where we go, we're in the middle of things. It's where we go, we're at the end of things. We're to always be thankful in all things. In fact, the Apostle Paul would say, rejoice always in the Lord. And again, I say, rejoice. We just need to hear it again, right? Rejoice, rejoice. So Luke chapter 17, verse 11. Um, let me read, in fact, follow, follow on your Bible or on the screen. And it says this. Now it happened as he, talking about Jesus, went into Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. Let me read verse 14 again. So when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, and he fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise. Go your way. Your faith has made you well. So, Father, we thank you today for the Holy Spirit that is the teacher. And even when we read these scriptures, there's things that the teacher places in our heart that we need to hear today. Father, would you teach us and mold us to be thankful people, first and in the middle and at the end, that we are thankful for what you're doing. We thank you even ahead of time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I'd read a little story that says, um, wives thank their husbands that like to attack small repair jobs in the house that usually become big enough to call in professionals. So the other night, I'm so thankful for my children, even though they're not children anymore. I was doing a plumbing job, and I, I'm pretty handy or can figure things out on my own, except the plumbing job that I got into was old plumbing, and I, I was having to tighten down two different areas to compress a copper pipe or a copper uh, nut around a pipe in about a two-foot by two-foot section. 
Well, my shoulders are a little bit wider than that. And so I'm scrunched in, and I'm trying to do this with a 30-pound dog sitting on my chest. And I was trying to get a picture of it. You know, that was my plumbing buddy for the night. And I thought I had got it, and so I talked to my daughter to go down and turn the water back on. And so the water came on, everything looked good, and I started seeing a little bit of a drip. And so squeezing back in, which I didn't want to do, I went the wrong way, and it blew out the nut and went right across into the wall, and this little tiny quarter-inch copper pipe was pouring water into the bathroom. And I probably sounded like a little kid, because I was like, help, help, I'm screaming, help, and I'm trying to stick my finger to stop it, and it won't stop. The dog ran, I'm soaked. It's going in my ear, it's going on my phone, and I'm squeezed in this little part, I'm screaming probably like a 12-year-old kid, and I'm having to tell them how to go and shut the water off. Somebody run downstairs and turn the other faucet on, and finally after what seemed like a half hour, which it wasn't a half hour, the water went off. And I look on the floor, oh my goodness, we were grabbing towels everywhere we could pull, and of course it's one of those nights Michelle was gone trying to get this all cleaned up. I actually called two plumbing friends. So I thought I was in trouble. But I was able to finally figure it out. And I know my kids laugh at me now. They probably have a story that they're going to tell for the rest of their lives. But I remember later that night as I came to myself that I went and I thanked them both because I had this thought, what would I have done had they not been home? We'd be living in a swimming pool right in the house. You know, there are always things that we can be thankful for, but many times we don't ever express it. I think I thank them several times. Thank you for being there. Thank you for saving our home, right? Thank you for saving our dog. Michelle said, you have this huge bruise on your arm. I said, yeah, because I was shoved in this little, you know, box area and pressed and I was screaming like a 12-year-old uh, in there. We can always be thankful. Well... When we read this story, when we say the word leper, many times we only know what a leper is because of what the Bible says. Probably not many of you have come across, unless you've lived in certain nations, to come across somebody with leprosy. In fact, we don't know much about this disease, but what we do know according to the Bible, that if you got this disease, there was 59 verses in the book of Leviticus, of things you had to do. Let me tell you, it was a curse. It was, most cases, a death sentence. The rabbis of old would write down different remedies for different situations, but nobody had a remedy for leprosy. It was a death sentence. In fact, what's worse was, if you got leprosy, you were kicked out of the camp. You're not with your family. You're not doing your livelihood. And you're now having to roam around the countryside with other lepers. And to make all matters worse, when you come across 300 feet of somebody or in a distance to see them, you were to shout two words, unclean, unclean. You know, Jesus ministered to a leper and he put his hands on him. And he, Jesus wasn't afraid to touch him. But amongst everybody else, they were unclean. Clean. In fact, let me read that verse in Leviticus 13, verse 45 and 46. You know, if we were reading this thinking that we had leprosy, listen to what it says. 
Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn and his head bare. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean. All the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean, and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside of the camp. You know, as I was going back through this, I read five times in those two verses the word unclean. To the leper to have to hear over and over again, you're unclean. You're unclean. You're unclean. You're unclean. You're unclean. In fact, the Bible says they would have to put their hand over their mustache and call it out. Why? So Probably so that they would not spit or say anything on somebody and have to yell it and be like a megaphone from a ways away. So when we read this story, we get a picture of the outcasts, the desperate, the ones that aren't with their families. They're not with their livelihoods. And somehow, someway, they recognize somebody different in town. And his name is Jesus. And I love how they address him in verse 13. They say, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. In fact, that word master, we translate it there, commander, or the one who has authority. You who have the authority, will you have mercy on us? Yelling, screaming, ten of them coming. Well, as we read on it, as we read before, so he saw them and he said to them these words. He didn't say, be healed. He said, go show yourselves to the priest. See, the priests in that day were the ones that would need to examine the lepers. And they were to pronounce them clean. If you were to read about it in the book of Leviticus, it was a whole thing that they would have to do. And they would look at them for seven days. And they were waiting to see if the patch grew and if it healed up. And so the next step for them ever to be cleansed was to have a priest. Isn't it interesting that Jesus in this situation said... Go show yourselves to the priest. You know, I always get this picture. As they went, step one, nothing changed. Step two, there's changes taking place. Step three, my body's being healed. And all the way they went to wherever the synagogue or the priest was at that time, as they went, they were cleansed. You know, there's a great message in there about stepping out in faith when God gives you a word to do something. As they went, they were cleansed. And what a, what a ceremony that must have been for them, the ten of them, because remember, they're going to be recognized for their clothes and how they look. To come in the presence of a priest and say, we were all lepers probably about five minutes ago, and as we came, we were cleansed, and to be pronounced clean. I wonder what the flood of emotions went through them. I can go back to my family. I haven't seen my wife and my kids. I can go back to my field. And I can work my field that I, that I love to do. And I can go to the marketplace and I can trade. I can do all of the things. I can go back and remember this. I can worship again in my synagogue. You couldn't worship. 
I can go back and worship in the synagogue. All of a sudden, what was a death sentence that was so slow now became new life to them. And yet, what do you do when that happens? Well, what we read is, and I like to look at it this way, 90% went their way. And only one wanted to go find the master. How many times does God do things in our lives? And we're so thankful, but we're so quick to go back to family or jobs or all of those things. But we didn't stop to go back to him to say, I wouldn't be here had it not been for you. That's what the scripture says. We read this. One of them, in fact, I went to 10%, right? Only 10% of them. One. When he saw that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice. Well, he's used to using a loud voice. Unclean, unclean. That voice is now loud. In fact, that um, Greek word is the word mega, where we get megaphones. You know, we're not used to the megaphones nowadays anymore where you had the, you know, the cheerleaders or the yell leaders would have the big megaphone and they'd hold it up and that thing would be loud. He was being so loud coming into the presence of Jesus because he's going to glorify God for what just happened in his body. He was eyewitness to what happened to himself and happened to his friends. And then he falls down on his face at his feet and gives him now, here's what we know in the story, if you read this, it says, and he was a Samaritan. We get a picture in the Bible in just those few words that quite possibly the other nine were Jews. And the one Samaritan who the Jews did not like, the Samaritans didn't want, want to walk through Samaria, didn't want to get the dust of Samaria on their sandals. The one who would have been even more of an outcast is recorded in the Bible that he probably could have been the one that shouldn't have come back. The ones that probably knew something of Jesus didn't come back. But yet in the excitement of everything, they probably wanted to be re reunited with everyone. But one knew where the power had come from. And he just didn't want to return saying it. He fell to his face at Jesus' feet. Well, look what Jesus says in verse 17. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him in verse 19, Arise, go your way. Say it with me. Your faith has made you well. You know, I read this over the years and I thought, wait a minute, your faith has made you well. You've already been healed. That doesn't mean the other ones left and, you know, uh, another mile or two, it all came back on him. Ah, showed you, right? You should have come back and given thanks. No, your faith has made you. In fact, it's an interesting word. It's a Greek word called sozo, and it means to save. We read that word with the woman that had the alabaster oil that said uh, that word saved is used. We read that word with the woman with the issue of blood. When she was cleansed, she was sozo. She was saved. We read it here with the leper, you have been sozos, you've been saved. We read it with the blind man's sight in Luke 18, that as he was healed according to his faith, he was sozoed, which means really all of them said your faith has made you well. 
Jesus can't give them salvation at that point because he'd not died. He'd not rose again. But what he was also talking about was a wholeness that had come on the person. In fact, this person was marked because of the interaction that they had with Jesus, sozo, to save. You know, we read this verse in John 10, 10, and we get the picture of Jesus's ministry and really his instruction to us. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Jesus does the shift. I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I came to give you life and I came to give you abundant life. But here's also where we see that word sozo in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be, that's the word sozo, you shall be saved. And that word we understand as a saving of our soul. But we also understand it in other places that it's wholeness in our bodies and in our lives. You know, the priest may have declared them cleansed, but Jesus declared one completely whole. The priest might have said that they were cleansed, but Jesus declares the one. No more physical pain, no more separation from family or community. A whole new life that he's witnessed because of Jesus. In fact, I wrote this down. The secret of a thankful heart is that you don't forget what God has done for you. You don't thank him after, but before, during, and then after, right? Before, during, and then after. See, praise or going back and thanking God is a choice, but a thankful heart makes the choice to always go back and to thank God for what he's done. You know, let me read a couple of the verses here. Uh, David said in Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26, and I love what David writes these because David has all of those different emotions when you read the Psalms. God, I just want you to kill him, right? Just plow through and let's attack and kill him. Oh, but your mercies are new forever, right? He's got those moments of he's so upset, but then his heart comes to him. In fact, he says this, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He's the strength of your heart and your portion forever. I like how he starts, right? Who do I have in heaven but you? I have you. I thank you before, I thank you during, and I thank you after because he has promised wholeness over our lives. Psalm 107, verse 8 and 9. He writes this again. He says, oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wondrous works to the children of men. Let me read that again. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. He satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul 
with goodness. You know, I was reading the story of this little boy that um, he was in the shopping basket leaving the grocery store and an older man came up and asked, may I give your son an orange? And so the boy's mother said, absolutely. He handed the orange over to the boy and the boy handed it back and said, peel it for me. <laughs> How many times have we been that little kid? That we're not thankful for what we have, for what God's done. We want something else, and God said, no, I'm not giving you an orange, right? Peel the orange. Be thankful for the orange. Be thankful in all things, right? Giving thanks, the Bible says, sometimes on Sunday. No, it says giving thanks always, right? Always, that heart of being thankful. You might not be in the best situation today, but you can be thankful. You might not be in a situation, none of us are like these lepers, but you can come back and you can with a loud voice give glory to God, thanking him that he's made you whole and is at work in your life. See, God's aim, his purpose is to be with you. Think of that. When David writes and says, who have I in heaven but you? His sole purpose is to be with you. His heart wants you to be with him. He wants to see the works of the devil crushed in your life. He wants to see that wholeness take place. That's his purpose. That's his aim. Bow your heads, if you would, with me today. Would you take just a minute in your life and maybe do a quick examination, not to the person on your right or on your left, but you. Is there an area that you need to stop and to be thankful for. It might look impossible. It might feel impossible. Everybody might tell you it's impossible. You may feel like you got kicked out of the camp. But to Jesus, all things are possible. But he requires us to have that heart of thanksgiving. The Apostle Paul writes those words and he's in house arrest, chained, and he can't do the things he's called to do. But he's going to write anyways to the church. He's going to remind them to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, that earnest prayer, but with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding is going to guard your hearts and mind. That peace of God will guard the thing, the heart and mind. Our heart wants to wander and our mind wants to process and worry but he says, God's peace will guard you. But be thankful. In fact, I'm going to have our worship team just um, lead this chorus for a moment or two. And would you just stay seated and take a moment between you and God, and then we'll come back and stand and sing it as well. But take that, those moments. Be thankful to God. We'll come back in a minute. There's two things that stand out to me in that passage. And the first one is this. Jesus told the lepers to go to the priest. Where was the priest found? In the temple. Well, what do we call the temple today? Church. He told them to go to church. 
Some of you need to hear that this morning. The Lord is saying to you, go to church. You have been battling things and battling things and battling things. Physically, emotionally, relationally, on the job. You're like, why is nothing changing? The first thing the Lord is saying to you, go to church. It's simple. We know better. We know better. Go to church. Secondly, the thing that hits me. The one came back and he said, you're made well. I don't know about you, but I sometimes find myself amongst the nine. Right? And it's not for any reason that we are terrible people. For some of us, we've been living this life for a long time. And you know what? We've become accustomed to the goodness of the Lord. What a great thing to become accustomed to. And so we move on and we just become, it becomes part of our daily life. And we get involved with family and friends and doing the, the good things that we do. But there's some things that the Lord is wanting to say. I want to look at you and say, you're not just cleansed. But that area is made well. And you don't have to be a non-believer to have areas in your life that need to be made well. Church, it is time. We're entering a season even in our calendar year that everything is about thankfulness and gratitude and all that good stuff. But this is the life and the posture as a believer that we should live on the daily. On the daily. He is worthy, not just of my praise. He is worthy of my gratitude. And not just thanksgiving, but my gratitude. I shared with you, you know, a number of weeks back and months ago, when I was in Africa, it was every night, every night I'd get back to that room and I'd be on my knees with a heart of gratitude. God, you showed up and I'm so grateful. And I'm so grateful. We get back to daily routine here. And it's like, I, I know this gig. Am I on my knees every night? Lord, thank you for showing up in Brea, California. Right? Right? Isn't it true? Isn't it true? He is worthy of our praise, but he's worthy of a heart of gratitude. And he's worthy of your presence at what he calls a house of worship, church. So, Father, I pray today that as your word has been spoken, that, Lord, it is truly, as the word says, as apples of gold and settings of silver, that it is a word spoken in due time for the hearer. For those that need to hear the Lord say, go to the priest, go to church. Father, I thank you that they hear it. 
their spirit knows it well and they find themselves in your house. And Lord, for those that need to hear, your faith has made you well. Lord, I thank you that they adjust their posture so that their posture is an attitude and a heart of thanksgiving and gratitude to you because we know that's where the completion of the blessing comes. And we receive that today in your son's precious name. Amen. As I say, we love seeing your face. Your face is not only precious to Jesus, it's precious to us. And so we love seeing your face. I pray you have a blessed week. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.